every week hit the right spiritual chord. You hit it today, and you've hit it in the past. But that's your goal every time you step on that stage on Monday morning, just start believing God, Father, I want to hit the right spiritual chord that we might come up higher. Amen? Amen. I have a handout. If, those, if you weren't here Wednesday, ushers can hand this out to you. This is a, uh, from my devotional by Brenda Kuhneman. It says, disease has no power. So if you weren't here and didn't get it, raise your hand. Raise your hand, would you, if you didn't get it? Wednesday night, I handed this out because I this thing with the coronavirus, I was thinking the first part of the week, I remembered this devotion from February 4th, and it says, disease has no power. Say that with me. Disease has no power. And this is from Psalm 91. She takes the prophetic scripture. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. She said at the end of it, she says, no matter what deadly diseases may plague this planet, rest assured that surely he will deliver you. So, and it was interesting because didn't Bia send you something by Richard Roberts? It was the same thing from Psalm 91. So, pray Psalm 91. You know, I was kidding with Abe, I mean, if it tells you the state of the nation when a certain percent of people think, the corona beer is going to give you the coronavirus that tells you the intelligence of the American people. It's pathetic. It's true. So, no plague, no calamity shall come nigh your dwelling. Amen. Now, stand up because this years ago when, you know, thank, I don't see, is Ron here today? I don't see him. Years and years and years ago, you know, we had nothing, Kathy and I, and, and uh, the church was small, and, and bless his heart, Ron took the initiative to start a retirement program for us. Well, my God, the, our retirement program took a hit. How many of you have a retirement program? I hope you do. If you don't have a retirement, so you young people need to start now. Well... I used to get so nervous with the stock market, up and down, up and down, up and down. And I, I, you know, I think, what should we do? What should we do? You know, it's down. What should we do? What should we do? And finally, I realized that God is my ultimate source. God's blessed me, you know, and blessed us and blessed the church. And we got to trust God. But on the other hand, it made me very angry this week that the enemy would come in because a lot of this is just fear-induced. It's called a spirit of fear. And when you make, in fact, I read the devotion that was just a few days ago, and it was good. It was about if you allow fear to control you, you will not make rational decisions. So I want to, if you got, how many got retirement? How many want a retirement program? How many of you don't care? You just want a panhandle. I'm going to speak over you, and I'm going to, what I'm believing for, and Kathy and I joined hands this week and prayed. 
that what the enemy has tried has stolen, he'll have to return sevenfold. And not just us, but to you and the body of Christ. There's good people out there that this is affected. Well, God's our source. He's a covenant-keeping God. And this is the year we're supposed to proclaim what? Mercy. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you said we could declare and decree a thing and it would be established for us and light would shine upon our pathway. I bind the enemy, Satan, in Jesus' name from stealing the retirement plans and the finances of God's people that tithe and sow and give generously. You will bring back and return to the body of Christ a sevenfold return in Jesus' name. Father, I plead your mercy for the finances of your people. Lord, you've called us to, you've blessed us in order for us to be a blessing as you told Abraham, and we are the seed of Abraham. And we can't bless others, Lord, when the enemy is stolen from us. So, Lord, we're believing you, Lord, for that sevenfold return. I call the people of Harvest Church blessed financially. As they have tithed, the devourers rebuked. As they have given, it will be given back to them. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Thank you, Lord. You give seed to the sower in Jesus' name. And everyone said, I receive that. Amen. You may be seated. If you put up the first slide. I've kind of I have kind of a sick sense of humor. I wanted to put on a mask and just go through my daily daily routine into Casey's and McDonald's and wear that mask. <laughs> that wouldn't be very wouldn't be appropriate, but it'd be funny, I think. We're on the subject of mercy, and this first slide gives the definition. And the reason we're on the subject, because as I was at a prophetic conference late last year in November at Pastor Hank Kuderman's church, the Dutch Sheets was there, and and uh, Pierce, Chuck Pierce was there, apostle and prophet of God, and they were basically telling the body of Christ what was coming for this year. They said this would be a decade of difference. Amen? And uh, they basically said, and Pastor Hank prophesied this, and he spoke this, that the church was, was, should begin to declare and decree God's mercy. And God is a merciful God. He's a loving Heavenly Father. Good God, bad devil. That's simple. That's my theology. And as long as you understand that, and, and Kathy said it, and I've got it written down here to remind you that as believers we must learn to expect to be on the receiving end of God's rich mercy. You need to be on the, the receiving end. You need to start believing that God is, is a merciful God. Where did Moses meet God when he talked to God. As far as the Ark of the Covenant, that piece of furniture, the mercy seat. God spoke, the Father spoke to Moses at that point of the mercy seat. And we need to see see that God sees us through the eyes of mercy. Say, God, 
The Father sees me, my family, through the eyes of mercy. And mercy is this. There's a whole a number of definitions, but loving kindness. God's a, a kind God. Unfailing love, unconditional love, steadfast covenant love. He's a God that is tender. He's a God that forgives. He's a God that's faithful and he shows pity. He's a God of compassion. A lot of the miracles of Jesus Christ um, were accomplished because of the spirit of compassion. His heart was moved with compassion. God, the Father's heart is moved with compassion for you and your family. No matter, no one, no matter when the anointing gets on me, I get ahead of my, my words get. So just bear with me. Um, what was I saying? What? No, that's Biden's problem. No, it's not my problem. I'm focused. God's a God of com- compassion. And so, get on the receiving end. Amen? Then we said that mercy is defined as an active desire to remove the cause of distress in others. I like that, don't you? Amen. Look, put up that second slide for me. This is God's nature. Exodus 34, 6, it says, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, what is he? Merciful and gracious long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. I like Psalm 145. It says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. See, if you're witnessing the people, you need to tell them what your father's like. You should learn this scripture. The Lord is good to only the people in the church. No, you're here today because the Lord was good to you when you were a sinner, and that's all you knew. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. And I remind God every day, I'm one of your works. So what can I expect? Tender mercy. Amen? Amen. Now, look at uh, slide three, because this was... What we learned was the number one responsibility that we learned last time. We, were, we are called to exercise God's mercy. In Jeremiah 9, 23, it says, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. How many of you know God? That I am the Lord exercising loving kindness. That's one of the definitions of mercy. Exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight. The next one. Micah 6, verse 6 says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O oh man, what is good. Now, this is what God requires of you and I. But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So we are called, God exercises mercy, and you and I are called to what? exercise mercy. Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful, 
for what shall they obtain? Mercy. Okay, let's put up the, the slide number four. This is what we're going to go on today. The number two responsibility. You know, if you want to experience God's mercy, there's some things that you can do to promote that. The second one is this, in Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says, Therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. With who? Those who what? Love Him and keep His commandments. Say it once more. Love Him and keep His commandments. So if you want God's mercy, you need to love Him and keep his commandments. Now, I'm going to, we won't get, I've got a lot here, and I, I realize today I wouldn't even get probably past the first one, but that's all right. I'm going to give you a love test. I'm glad you're so excited. I'm going to give this, you know, a love test. And you're going to find out here in the next few weeks if you're in love or not. How many of you want to find out if you're walking in love? Look at John chapter 2. John chapter 2. The first one that you need to realize, if you want to experience God's mercy, then you and I need to practice and exercise this. We need to practice instant obedience to God and His Word. Say that with me. Instant obedience to God and His Word. It's very important, and you find it throughout the Old Covenant and New Covenant, how it, when God called somebody to do something, He expected them to obey. Now, once in a while, you know, you'll have some great men of God, they'll start questioning. Remember Gideon? <laughs> You know, I'm just of the smallest tribe here. How, how can I do this, what you're calling me to do? You know, Moses, what did he have? Stuttered. You can go through, and you can go through your own life. God calls you to do something. You can say, well, but God, but God, but God, but God. You'll never accomplish anything for God in his kingdom if all you can utter is those three-lettered word, three but You have to know who you are and what you're called to do. And one of the most important things is that you obey God in His Word. John chapter 2, the first miracle of Jesus. It says on the first verse, On the third day there was a wedding in Cain of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and His disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to Him, They have no wine. Jesus said to, her, said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. She's a good doting mother, wasn't she? Verse 5, And his mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, I don't think you have it. Whatever he says to you, do it. So if he says to you, tithe. If he says to you, get to church. 
If he says to, to love God and obey his commandments, if he says to love your neighbor, if he says to you, watch the words of your mouth and the attitude of your heart, if he says, love your husband, Good time for you, man. If he says to you, love your wife, do it. If he says to you, quit complaining. If he says to you, work hard. I should just entitle this, do it. Just do it. So important. I never was in the military, and I look back, I've always had a great respect for men and women that have served in the military. Last night she was she came in, she has this habit. If I do this, she gets all huffy with me. She'll be watching TV, and I'll come in and she'll look at me like, don't interrupt me. Well, last night she kept coming in, and I was watching. It wasn't that big a deal, and watching. Finally, I just put it on pause. I've learned to put it on pause, you know program. That's kind of nice for my wife to talk to me. But she came in and she was, for my wife to cry, you don't know her that well, but how many of you have never even seen her cry? And she was coming in and she was all choked up. And I thought, oh my God, what's going on? And she said, you got to listen to this. And she was talking about this 98-year-old veteran from World War II that was burned on, what was the Arizona, in Pearl Harbor, and his life was saved by another soldier and was burned over 60% of his, of his body, and, you know, Pastor Brad can relate to that, and the man survived. He lived to be 98, and, but they had the funeral in, in Colorado Springs, and then they had uh, escort all the way from Colorado Springs to Red Cloud, Nebraska. And all along the way, people were standing and, and, and paying honor to this man that gave his life and suffered like he did for, for us. And she was crying, and she says, I got, I, I've got to read it to you. And finally, I said, you want me to read it? And all that made her mad. And she said, no. And then she got her act together and got her emotions under control. But, I mean, it was a touching thing. Amen. But military is always, because when you go in the military, did you have to learn to say these two words, yes, sir? You remembered. You were in the Navy. Ron was a Marine. Anybody else? What were you in? Navy. Another Navy guy. Did you have to learn to say yes, sir? <laughs> did, you, did you really... You know, maybe you didn't respect your leader or your sergeant or drill sergeant, but you had to learn. But see, if you don't have that kind of accountability and, and respect for authority and that work ethic and, and that go-to attitude, get ready, set, go, there you go, then you're not going to get anything done. It's important to obey, to obey God and do what he says. Now, listen, because this is, I'll leave, I won't get past number this what we're talking about today. We'll just do number, we'll just do one. But listen to this because this I learned this years ago because I had some struggles with with um, 
people that were in authority over me, especially in, 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 uh, in the church itself. And uh, I had to learn as a young man, and she had to learn. You're not always going to agree, but yet you, you've got to learn to respect the man or woman of God. And there were times that we knew that the one that was over us was out of order spiritually. And, and we, we, we were just out. I was just out of Bible school, and, and she hadn't been out of Oral Roberts that long. But we knew something was, wasn't right. Well, we had to learn to pray, and that's the thing. We, through the years, Kathy and I have been at this a long time. And a lot of the things that we learned in ministry through the years just came through the through experience. There wasn't anybody there to speak into our lives. There wasn't anybody there to tell us that we were out of order, that we needed to make some adjustment in our heart's attitude. We had to learn just by getting on our knees and praying. And granted, we made a lot of mistakes. We all make mistakes. But we learned some things early on about obeying God. And then we had to learn some things about obeying God with the right heart's attitude. Because, you know, I could tell you, I'm your dad now, pretend I'm Abe. Because he's never told you what to do. I know that. Would you go empty the garbage? Now, let's not. You, you would do it because you're more compliant. I'll go to you. I got two boys, and they're different. Go. Would you go empty the garbage? And, and, and you say this. This is what you'll say to your dad. I love you. I would be more than happy. Right now to stop what I'm doing and go empty the garbage. And you pick that garbage and you just smile as you take it out and you come in. No, there were times your father's told you what to do. And you did it because he's your father. And you probably knew there'd be consequences. Do you do anything at the house even though you're an exchange student? Do you have, do you have chores? Okay. Just be glad I'm not picking on you. It's this one I'm working on. It's important that you do it, but you do it with the right heart's attitude. The preacher stands here and he says, you need to come and listen to the guest speaker we're having, Greg Fritz, four nights. Brad was up here exhorting you to do that. But, but, here we go, but. You've got to realize what we've got kids in school and we've got activities and we've got to get up early and we've got to do this and we've got to do that. But I'll come. Well, you're, you might be obedient, but you're not willing. Because obedience is an action. Being willing is being submitted in the heart. Doing it because it's the right thing. Jesus said, I only do those things that please the Father. 
And, and see, that's the thing with all of us. We all have to learn, and we go through the, through the experience of, yes, we did some things when we were young in ministry. We did it out of obedience. But then we had to learn our heart's attitude had to be right. God loves you, and he wants you to be obedient. But the, the prophet said in Isaiah chapter 1, I believe, he says, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land or you'll be blessed. There's a lot of Christians wondering why they're not blessed. Maybe they've been obedient, but their heart's attitude was way off. We want to experience God's mercy. Well, we need to learn to love Him and obey His commandments but do it with a willing and obedient heart. Obedient means performing what is required. Being willing or submitted is of the heart, while, while obedience is an action. Look at Acts chapter 9. And I'll close with this. Because I got some place to go. Just laugh. Don't be so serious. I really do have a spaghetti dinner to go to support a ball team, but they'll be there when we get there. When I get there, I want you to see this because what was what was Paul's name before he became Paul, the Apostle Paul, Saul? What kind of guy was he? Very religious, very intellectual. He knew the word and. And he was obeying those he was submitted to and going out and persecuting and dragging the Christians to jail. It says in verse 1, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, I, I, I just, I think this is funny. I like this. He says, and he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The word Lord implies submission. The word Lord means he had a change of heart. He understood in 1 Corinthians... Don't turn there, I'll read it to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6... He makes this statement, he says in verse 19, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? 
You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. If you're a true believer, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus, and you are not your own. That's a good thing to remember. Who owns you? Jesus, if you gave your heart to him, you are not your own. Look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. Colossians 1. Look at verse 15. It says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers. Now listen to this. All things were created through him and for him. All things were what? Created Through the word, through Jesus, but you were created for Jesus. You are not your own. You belong to God. Do you believe that? Now it comes down to this. Jesus Christ might be your Savior, but he might not be your Lord. Think about that. He might be your Savior. You might have given your heart to Jesus and were born again, but you're still doing what you want to do. You're still going to where you want to go. And you don't have the revelation that you don't belong to you. You belong to God. I belong to God the Father. And you are now ordained to be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, and prepared for every good work. You you won't and I won't get anything done for God. Stand up, because then that helps me quit. It helps me unhook. You won't accomplish anything for God if you're if you don't realize you don't belong to him. You have a job to do. You have a job description. You have gifts. There are people here, you have spiritual gifts, natural talents that the body of Christ needs. But you might not be functioning in them because you haven't come to the realization that You are not your own, that you were created for him. You have something to do for him, something to accomplish. And I told Kathy this morning, I I just, I sense in my spirit, there, there's things going, yeah, there's things going on in the world with the stock market and that coronavirus and. But I sense that the body of Christ, all of us, we need to get into pl- in place. We need to find our place in the body. 
We need to function in our gifts, do it corporately as a team. There's not going to be any hot dogs or Hollywood stars in, in these last days. There'll be ones that w- would like to be, but it's just going to be people that just are sold out 100%, willing and obedient, ready to say, Lord, here I am, send me. That's what God needs. And that's the kind of people I want to pastor. That's why I don't have a big church, because I don't put up with nonsense. I don't have, I had two letters. I got a low tolerance. Guess what those two letters are? Can he say that? I didn't say anything. I said two letters. Because I take serious, and I told her this morning, I said, Kathy, as leaders, we it's so we have such a responsibility to to feed the sheep and tend the sheep and speak into their lives and help them fulfill their destiny it's just it's an awesome responsibility and i'm quitting i'm done i don't want it no i just realized it was good for me to to come to that realization i knew that but more than ever before. Abe, every time you get up there, I'm telling you, you've got to hit the spiritual cord. And you're a good man, and you, you do. But if you focus that way, it'll help. I like what you did, because it just you didn't have to beat them. You just went up and looked at that. Now, if they can't read, you're in trouble. <laughs> but it's time to quit playing church. And be the church. How many of you want to be the church? I do. Father, I I bless this people today. We walk by faith, not by sight. I call them not just obedient believers, but submitted and willing of heart and obedient believers. Lord, I know the the good work that you've begun in them. And in this place, you will finish that good work. So, Lord, we're here today and we say, Lord, here we are. Use us. Send us. Because we'll do it. And I thank you, Father, because of that, they'll be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know why we were given the extreme honor and responsibility to do night to shine? Do do I need to tell you? Because we're a church that will just do it. That did more for me to think my father would would give us that responsibility. That spoke volumes to me as a church. No, we're we're not a big church. We're, We're a growing church. But we're, we take our, to take what God calls us, we take it serious. Amen. Well, everyone here, raise your hand if you know Jesus. He's your personal Lord and Savior. Okay. Does anyone here need prayer for healing for your body before we go? Okay. Is there anything else I need to? Yeah. Don't you like that, how the wife shoves you? She, she does that to me all the time. What's going on? Back problems. Okay, lower back. 
Father, I thank you that you said we could lay hands on the sick and they'd recover. I lay hands on this back, whether it be a ligament, tendon, muscle, disc. You are Lord of all. And I thank you, Lord God, you said that they would recover. So I thank you for full recovery, speedy recovery in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank God. You know, no charge for that. You go to chiropractor, it'd be different. Do you have anything against chiropractors? No, I go to one. Got anything against doctors? No, I go. if it wasn't for doctors, some of us would be dead. But let's look at him as the ultimate physician. Well, thanks for listening to me. I got a place somewhere to go and eat today. It's eleven twelve. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night.